of frequently asked questions, and last week was, man, it was fun last week. I so enjoyed uh, speaking on that, and then uh, studying this week, getting ready for what, uh, what we're going to talk about today. And I, I do want to remind you one more time, uh, take, those, take your notes right there. If you're taking notes today, you can get that ready for your, your message notes, and then take this home with you, and uh, I want to just make sure that you're diving in and to everything that God has for you, and uh, that's what we feel like God's set the hills for, is to be a venue to help you step into what God's called you to do. Um, last week, we talked about finding your purpose, and frequently asked questions. People are always asking, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? And, and how, many, how many, if you were here last week, you know we found out the answer was, right? Jesus. So pretty much, you know what we could do? We could just say, hey, guys, we could just walk in and just say, hey, here's the issue to all your issues, Jesus. What the goal is at the end of every service that we would get back to being reminded that it's all Jesus. It all goes back to him, that he's the answer to everything. And, uh, and when, you, when you get to that place, but isn't it amazing how we need to be reminded of that, right? That's why church is so important because we forget on Tuesday what we learned on Sunday, right? And so... I feel like, though, last week, there was something beautiful about that, to have that realization that we've been looking for our purpose, and we've been looking in the wrong places. When we focus on Him, find our will, we find our purpose in Him. And so today, I want to dive in on another question that is asked so much, and you know, I've been in ministry for a long time, and this is a question that gets asked a lot. And then many of you asked this question on your surveys uh, that, you, that you put when you, we talked about what would you like to hear us speak on, what are some questions you have, and that is, how can I find peace? How can I find peace? And it was asked different ways. Uh, it was, how can I find peace? How do I have peace in difficult, trying times? How do I find peace uh, during challenging situations? How do I deal with stress? How do I deal with worry? How do I deal with anxiety? Uh, and so that was just a question that gets asked a lot. So how many of y'all ready to receive this word today? Nobody? Y'all all good? No stress at all? Nothing? Come on, how many ready to receive a word about how can I have peace today? All right, good. Now I'm going to tell you, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they're on it. I'm going to tell you that they're worshiping. They're, they're here early, sweet Jesus. They're here early. They're on time. They're ready to roll. They, 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 they're receptive of the word. So they get me spoiled, okay? So y'all going to have to step it up just a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to step it up just a little bit. Come on, some of you didn't look at your neighbor, much less say it. Look at your neighbor. Say, step it up just a little bit. Let's go. Peace. We're going to talk about peace. The goal today is by the time we get to the end of this service, that there is a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord that comes in and he breathes peace on us. That's what happened today at 9 o'clock. People that walked in here, there were folks in here today that, that were dealing with depression and suicide. And they, I mean, some intense things that people have been walking through. And we watched God just breathe on them. And they walked out different people. I'm believing for that today. Turn to Philippians in, uh, in your Bible or in your um, device, or it'll be on the screens as well. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. And we're actually going to be... In that passage, throughout the rest of the day, we'll go to some other scriptures, but we'll keep referring back to Philippians uh, 4 and verse 6. And here we go. You ready? All right. 
Don't worry about anything. He just starts right off the bat. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me and everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So let's dive in. I want to give you seven points to peace. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Seven points to peace. First one, Philippians 4 and 6, the very first thing he starts off with, don't worry about anything. Write that down. Number one, don't worry about anything. Can I hear somebody say amen to the fact that that is easier said than done? Right? (laughs) Don't worry about anything. Well, I want to tell you something. I want you to, I want you to hear this. All right. When you're done writing that down, just look up at me. It is not God's will for you to worry. I don't know what God's will is for your life specifically all the time. I don't know if you're supposed to marry that person or take that job or not do that. I don't know, but I can tell you God's will is this. You're not supposed to worry. That is not his will. God does not want to put more on you. His word says that he will not put more on us than we can Bear, he doesn't want you to be stressed out and worried. Matter of fact, this is what he said in Matthew 11 and 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. How many feel like that's you? You're weary, carrying heavy burdens. And he said, I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but that sounds the opposite of most religions to me. Most of us say, hey, come to us and we're going to put more on you. Things you got to do and can't do. And Jesus is like, oh, no, we don't roll that way. If you got heavy burdens, you need you got baggage, you got come to me, I'm gonna give you rest. Take my yoke up on you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, if I say yoke, is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That word yoke is a double meaning, because a yoke is something that a rabbi would put on you. If you we were following a specific rabbi and their teachings that what you carried was their yoke. So their teaching, their doctrine, like y'all come to the hills because there's something about the hills that you like, the music, the teaching, our style. Or, well, you that's our yoke, all right? But it was also some, speaking of the yoke that an oxen would have. So an oxen would, would have a yoke on it, and most of the time it would be connected to another oxen, right? You got it? And so he said, mine is going to be light. It's going to be easy for you to carry. Yeah, there's some work to be done, all right? I want you to understand that there's still work to be done. The king the work of God is work. There are things that have to get done, but he said the work is not going to be toilsome. You're not going to have to sweat when you do it. You're not going to have to struggle when you do it. So, in your life, if your marriage, finances, living for God, whatever it is, if it's a struggle, if you're sweating through it and it's laborious and burdensome, that's not God's will. I'm going to make another statement. If you are toiling and stressing and worrying and struggling 
and trying to carry the weight that you have, you have picked up something that Jesus never asked you to carry. Whether it be trying to help somebody do something that they're never going to do, whether it's a debt that you have, you have picked up something. So if you're stressed, if we're worried and you stand up at night, then you're carrying something that Jesus Christ never asked you to carry. So don't blame it on him when it gets too heavy. It, it, again, it is work, but the Bible says that we're co-laborers with God. He comes alongside us. I believe that the reason that the yoke is easy to bear is because he's yoked up with us. You know, they would put two oxen, two ox together and put a yoke on them to keep them. You know, the scripture talks about don't be unequally yoked with other people. You know what that means? It's like, don't be yoked up with somebody that's going to be slower than you or shorter than you or can't do it because you're just going to go in circles, right? It'd be like a, one oxen that's like a little pig, you know, and a big oxen like this. It's all awkward and weird. Just that's the thing. I love the fact that when Jesus says my yoke is easy, that means you're not, I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to get where you are. I'm going to spend some time with you. And we're going to do this thing together. I'm going to get, that's the kind of thing that he, that, that's the kind of life he wants us to be living. He wants us to be, and, and even in the work, and even when there's things that we have to do, he takes the struggle out of it. He takes the stress out of it. Look at your neighbor and say, are you stressed? That ain't what Jesus wants. Matter of fact, look at this. Matthew 6 and 25 this is how Jesus says, that is why I tell you, don't worry, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? Yeah, food sure is good though, man. And your body more than clothing? And I sure do love nice clothes. And he said, but life is more than that. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And I love this right here. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Not going to do it. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And I hear an amen on that one. Well, so Jesus, this whole passage, He's saying, don't worry about it. Quit worrying. You know, I, I have a statement that I've used uh, in our marriage for uh, many, many times to Kristen. And it's this right here. If you can do something about it, do it. If you can't, don't worry about it. How many of you know that doesn't go over very well most of the time when I say that? And you know why? Because I'm saying it at the wrong time. When I shouldn't be saying that, when I should be saying, come on, baby, I love you. Let's go, let me get you some chocolate and some flowers and give you a massage she does not want to hear what not to do at that moment and it was pretty funny uh, uh several a month or so ago i was walking through something and trying to think through it and she said you know i heard a, a powerful preacher one time he had this amazing word from god and he said if you can do something about it do it if you can't don't worry about it and i just stormed out just upset <laughs> that preacher's dumb don't listen to him 
about it. Come on. If you can do something about it, do it. Make a plan. Get a strategy. But if you can't do anything about it, then why are we worrying about it? I'm going to tell you why. It's the second point. Because he doesn't just say don't worry about anything. He says pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Number two, the second point of peace is pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And we just read it just a moment ago in Matthew. He said, God already knows what you're asking for. He already knows what you need. He's already got it prepared for you. I mean, you're his children. You know that he wants to give to you and care for you. He already knows it. But isn't it amazing how many things we try to deal with on our own and we never take it to God in prayer? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. You may know that one. Help me out. Oh, because we do not carry. Y'all are good. I was kind of even in y'all's key too. That was pretty good. Worked out. Isn't it amazing the things that we put up with all because we won't give it to God? Let me say something to you. It's harder to worry about things that you're praying for. It is harder to worry about things you are praying for. I'll say something else. It's hard to worry if you believe his word. If we really believe it and we really know that he's working things out for our good according to his purpose for us. And we know that he's a good, good father and that he cares for us and he's lining things up. It is hard to worry. But not us. We research stuff to worry about. (laughs) Can I get an amen from somebody? We feel like we're not doing enough if we're not worrying. i got to find something to worry about. Things are just going too easy. And he said, look, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then he says, and thank him for all he has done. Number three, the third point to peace is thank God for all he has already done. The best way to stop worry in its tracks and the best way to bring peace into your life is to stop and think about everything God has already done for you. Stop and think about everything that God has already accomplished in your life. Once you start looking back at those things that God's done, it makes it a lot easier to look forward. Can I hear somebody say yes on that one? Let me tell you something. The reason that there were so many feasts in the Bible, the reason that there was monuments set up in the Bible, is because God knows how quickly we forget So he said, I want you to have a feast to remind you what I did back here. It's so important for you and I to keep this. Because y'all know, you can hear this word right now. All right, I got it. That's good. That's good. That's good. And by the time the door closes on your car, we're already, kids are screaming and trying to figure everything out. That's why I want us to get to a place that not only do we find peace, but we can keep peace. Not only do we receive peace, but we can walk in peace. And one of those ways, one of those points is to thank God what he's done. The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that he brought you this far. He's going to carry you on. Philippians 4 and 7 says this. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. The fourth point to peace is understand that God's peace is beyond understanding. It's the kind of peace that it comes over you and you're like, I do not know how I'm so peaceful right now. 
Look at me. When we talk about this piece, we're not talking about your piece on steroids, all right? We're not talking about your piece on Xanax. We're talking about God's peace that comes over you and settles on you and, and you get through. How many have ever gotten through a situation and you go, I don't know how I did that. I do not know how I just made it through that situation. That is the peace of God that's coming over you. John 14 and 27. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Out of all the things that Jesus could have left his disciples, look at what he leaves. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind. Everybody hit your noggin and say, my mind. And hit your chest, my heart. We're going to talk about those two in just a moment. I'm giving you peace of mind and peace of heart. I love this little caveat to this. In other words, what Jesus was saying, he's writing out his will to his disciples. And he's saying, here's my will for you. I'm going to leave you with a gift. How many of y'all still believe for that rich aunt or uncle that you don't know about? That somebody's going to show up and say, they left you in their will. You don't even know them, and they barely knew you, but they've left you everything. Come on, how many ready for that one? Come on. Yeah. This is what Jesus said. I'm going to leave you a will. I'm writing it out right now. I'm giving you peace. Now, this is really fun to me. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't do it like anybody else. Most of the time when you write out a will, then you die. Right? And then somebody else takes that will and reads it to you. Not Jesus. Jesus writes out the will, dies, comes back to life, and is like, this is too good of a gift. I can't let somebody else give it. And he shows up where all the disciples are in fear, walks through a wall, and the first thing he says to them is, peace. And then the Bible says he breathes on them, and this is receive the Holy Spirit. I love that. He loves to give gifts. If he will go through all that, why wouldn't he give you peace with what you're walking through right now? Why would he give me peace with what I'm walking through right now? And it's because the reason we don't receive it is because we try to put it in our understanding. We try to figure it out. And he said, bring that scripture back up. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. The King James says it something like this. Or New King James says, the peace I'm giving you is not the kind of peace the world gives. So don't put the two together. And, and Because the world gives a peace that you've got to work for. You've got to strive for. You've got to go to classes for. You've got to take a pill for. You've got to have counseling for. Nothing wrong with those things. But the peace that God gives, it just comes up on you. And it is a gift. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to rent it out. You don't have to pay penance for it. It's a gift to us. Who doesn't like gifts? But it's not just a gift. It's a gift that the world can't give you. Because the world's peace is predicated on circumstances and situations. Y'all know what the world's peace is, right? You've had it when the bills are paid. Oh, thank God. That's done. When the relationship kind of settles down and things are better at work, you know, things it's good. That's the world's peace. And all it takes is just one one comment and it's all back again. Not God's peace. The world's peace says everything's gotta be right. It's gotta be it's gotta be set up perfectly and situated, but not the peace of God. Matter of fact, here watch this, John 16 and 33. Jesus said this I have told you all these things, so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I love Jesus. He doesn't sugarcoat it. You know, you've heard it said before that 
Jesus never said there wouldn't be trouble. Matter of fact, Jesus said there will be trouble. That'd be a great marketing campaign for the hills, right? Hey, come to the hills. There will be trouble. Come start a relationship with Jesus. You know, that's kind of what we have now. Relationship with Jesus and everything is just blissful. It's just beautiful and easy. And Jesus is like, nah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. There's going to be days you want to give up, which is why I'm giving you my peace. He said, when, when you face these struggles, don't run and hide. Don't get a divorce. Don't quit church. Don't quit the job. Don't run away. This is when the world says when trouble comes, go crazy. Jesus is saying, my peace works best in troubled times. Because if it's always beautiful and blissful, who needs peace? Is it more of a miracle that Jesus calmed the storm or that he could sleep through it? Which is the miracle? I mean, we know he can calm the storm, right? Y'all believe that? But sleeping through it? Are you crazy? The disciples are saying, are you crazy? We're going to die. And you're sleeping. That's the miracle, the fact that even in troubled times, and I am, I am a witness, there have been so many things in my life that have been tough and trying, and things I have dreaded facing, things that, oh, if it ever happened to me, I could never make it. And now I look back on it, and I'm like, Man, I know how I made it through, because God's peace kicks in when trouble starts. Philippians 4 and 7. He said, if you'll do these things, these four steps, then another few more points, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Number five, the fifth point of peace is let his peace take control. You know, the Old Testament clearly states how important the heart and the mind are. Remember a moment ago, Jesus said, my peace, I'm going to give you its peace of mind and heart. Remember, and then you're supposed to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. You keep hearing heart and mind. Why are those two so important? In Proverbs, the, the wise man told us this. He said, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows out of it. Guard it, because what you say comes out of your heart. What you do comes out of your heart. And then Isaiah said, he, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. All right, so how many of you would be in agreement with, with me that your heart and your mind are very important? And we have to know how to keep them guarded and to keep them, you know why? I believe there, I believe there are a couple of reasons. Because the enemy always attacks where God is trying to do a work. Always. And the enemy knows that God speaks to us through his word, but the other two ways that God speaks to us is in our mind and in our heart. He'll, he'll drop something in your mind. and go, Oh, okay, you just know that's the Lord speaking to me. You have some revelation you didn't have. Or in your emotions, you feel this thing come on, just the, the presence of God, and that's how he speaks. And the enemy knows if he can keep that messed up, if he can get that polluted, then you're not going to be able to hear clearly what God is trying to say to you. You're not going to feel clearly what God is trying to speak to you. Everything that we do flows from our heart. And so the enemy is like, if I can get that messed up, if I can get some worry and stress and confusion there, then what comes out of them is going to be worried and stressed and confused. 
Let me tell you something. You know this. When you're worried, you want everybody to be worried, don't you? Nobody likes to worry alone. If you're stressed, how many want somebody else to be stressed with you? You want it? Yeah, you do. You try you stomp through the house like that right there. Make huffing noises or whatever it is that you do. You want somebody to go, what's wrong? We all want people to be stressed because that's what's coming out of our heart. The enemy knows if he can get that messed up. And then also, if he can get our mind messed up, that's where we're transformed. By the renewing of your mind. You're either transformed according to God's likeness or you're conformed to the world's likeness. That's why the enemy attacks that. I want you to nod your head on this one. If that's the biggest battle that you have is in your mind and in your heart. My mind. My attacking my mind. Attacking my emotions. My passion. Uh, trying to lay down at night and my brain is just racing and heart is, heart is, is racing and I, I can't do it. And it, it feels good. And we look at this, we're like, okay, I've got to keep my heart right. I've got to keep my mind right. I've got to keep it, everything in line. But just one thing, and it just all derails it. And that's why we can't do it by ourselves. That's why he said, his peace will guard your heart and your mind. He said, look, I'm going to do something you can't do for yourself. Look, guarding your mind. You know, when I think of the word peace, I think of, you know, you think of incense. But this is like guard. How many want to hire, 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 what kind of guard do you want to hire? Come on. I don't think of that when I think of peace. But that's what he says. This peace is strong. It's like a centurion. It's like a soldier that stands guard at your heart and your mind. And says, oh, no, you're not coming in here. You know, this ain't no Paul Bart on the Segway, all right? This is... This is, come on, I'm going to guard your heart and your mind, but we got to let it take control. That's the problem, is we want to save a little piece of worry just in case we need it. He said, no, I want, I want to guard it. It goes on, Colossians 3, 15, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, says this, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's different than guard, right? You can hire a guard, but a ruler just rules. They take over. So what he's saying here is this. If you want my peace, you got to give me control. You can't just give me parts of your heart and parts of your mind. i got to have the whole thing. Because when I'm ruling, that's when your mindset is right. And once your mindset changes, it determines what you think about. Which brings us to our sixth point of peace, Philippians 4 and 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I love that. It said fix. I mean, you know, that when you look at that word, the original text means to fasten, to make it steady. It's not temporary. It's committed it's nailing it. It's, this is where you're going. You're thinking about these things. And Paul was saying, if you want the peace of God, you've got to fix your mind on things that are true. I'm going to tell you what, most of the stuff we worry about ain't even true. I know she's talking about me. How, how do you know? I just know it. I can just, no, you don't know it. You're worried about something that may not even be true. And even if it is, who cares? She's inconsequential. Look that one up when you get home, all right? How many 
reason we worry about people we should not be worried about. Who cares what they think about you or what they said about you? Who cares? That's not, that's not from Jesus, that's from me. I'm just saying that. We worry about, we fabricate things. He said, think about things that are true and honorable and right and true and lovely and praiseworthy and excellent. Think about these things. And don't just think about them. Fix your mind on them. Fasten your mind. Get a neck brace. Get some blinders. Whatever you got to do to keep your mind stayed. Get off of Instagram. And every time you go on it, it makes you mad. You get fired up and worried about it. Or Facebook or whatever it is you do. How many? Raise your hand and say, that's where the source of your worry comes from. Raise your hand. Social media. Come on. Y'all liars. Say it right now. <laughs> Remove those things from your life. Get your head straight. Get Folks and focused and fixed. And I'm telling you, this takes some discipline right here. It, this is where the daily discipline, being a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to sing another one. The old timers used to say, I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on the Lord. You ever heard that? Why ain't y'all saying it? I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Well, hallelujah. 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 Stay fixed. Let me ask you this. What's the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> he said, Francis. I love you too. Brother said, breakfast. <laughs> and Jesus said, why are you worried about what you're going to eat? <laughs> I mean, you first thing besides breakfast, the first thing you're thinking about is that thing you went to bed worried about. Right? That's what happens. How many of you wake up? Oh, God! <laughs> I was walking through something several months ago and just trying to deal with it and and one morning, before I went to bed that night, I just said, Lord, I don't do this anymore. I'm giving this over to you. The next morning, I woke up. First thing out of my mouth, I love you, Jesus. Good morning. Let's go do this thing. And I told Chris, and I said, it's a shame that I spent two weeks waking up with the wrong thing on my mind. Come on, fix your mind. Fix your mind on what's good and what's great, what's lovely. Get it fastened, cemented, concrete. Fix your mind on those things. And then number seven, Philippians 4 and 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. And everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Number seven, put peace into practice. Paul is writing the book of Philippians from a penthouse. Nope. He's writing from a prison. He wrote these words. From a prison. And he's saying to them, the things you've seen me do, the things you've heard from me, I'm going to tell you how I do this. I follow these seven points of peace. I'm, I'm getting everything right. I'm not worried about things. I'm praying about things. and I'm fixing my mind, all this stuff. He said, but now I'm putting it into practice. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it set. Look, it's not a secret, y'all. 
Having peace in your heart is not a secret. It's not a hidden thing. It's practical. It's applicable. Any of us can do it if we really want to. I love what Paul said. This is a whole other teaching on how, why God gives you pastors and why God gives you spiritual leaders. He said this, learn from me, receive from me, listen to me, watch me, and then go do it. Go do it. That's what, that's, what you're, that's what we're supposed to be doing from our spiritual leaders. We're supposed to be learning, receiving, listening, watching, and then just go do it. And then, finally, this is my favorite, my favorite thing. Back to Philippians 49. He says, after you have done all of these seven things, then he says to them, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Look at this, y'all. I want you to read this with me really loud. Take a deep breath. Come on, take a deep breath. You ready? We're starting right here. One, two, three. Then the God of peace will be with you. Wait a minute. At the beginning, it's talking about the peace of God. But at the end, he's talking about the God of peace. Not about you, but if i got to pick between the peace of God being with me and the God of peace being with me, i pick God of peace. It means this. If you will follow these things... I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Thank God for all He's already done. Understand that God's peace is beyond understanding. Let His peace take control and rule in your life. Fix your thoughts on the right things. And finally, put peace into practice. And then one more passage of Scripture. It's the one that I just read to you a moment ago. John chapter 20 and 21. They're all scared. They're fearful of what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. And the first thing he says to them is, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the God of peace. That's where you go beyond having the peace of God in your life. And you move into having the God of peace 